G'day, I'm Party Parslow. Welcome to episode 17 of Party in China, also known as episode 2 of Party in Hong Kong. Although the coach driver had promised me elephants, it was Kowloon Elements where I finally found myself after making it all the way from Diang via a bus to Chengdu, a bus to the airport, a plane to Shenzhen, a coach to the border and another coach to Kowloon. So my intended weekend of drunkenness and debauchery had gotten off to a slow start. It was already Saturday night and I was tired, hungry and entirely sober. Elements Mall is divided into sections. Wood, metal, earth, fire and water. The Chinese elements. Only the Chinese elements, so it was a waste of time me looking for the molybdenum section. I know that's not very funny. I just like to say molybdenum. Molybdenum. My wandering soon led me to the Kowloon MTR station downstairs in the mall. A very handy way to easily speed to your hotel, either in Kowloon or on Hong Kong Island itself. Unfortunately, I didn't have a hotel or even a booking. Sunnies had said they couldn't book for me. Who knows why? but had instead provided a list of three guest houses in Kowloon for which they'd pay up to 200 Hong Kong dollars a night. They assured me I'd easily find something cheaper. But 200 Hong Kong dollars is about 35 Aussie dollars. I was not going to find anything cheaper than that. The people at Sunny's knew nothing about Hong Kong because nobody at Sunny's had ever been anywhere near the place. They're not allowed without special permission from the government. The night before, Juanita gave me an indignant earful about how unfair it was that I could pop off to Honkers whenever I wanted, but she, a Chinese citizen, couldn't even go shopping there on a weekend. Now, I'm not sure why that was my fault, but there you go. Two of Sunny's suggested guest houses were in Chungking Mansion, the third in Mirador Mansion, one block south. Both are on Nathan Road. Both are ugly, smelly, high-rise, noisy dumps as close to a mansion as I am to a midget. But I was not flush with cash to splurge on a nice hotel. In fact, I had no Hong Kong dollars at all, having foolishly taken Sonny's advice and not changed any money at the border. Naturally, an upmarket place like Kowloon Elements has plenty of ATMs. Naturally, most of them don't connect to mainland China bank accounts. But I eventually found one that did. Naturally, the smallest note it gave me was a hundred, which the MTR ticket machine wouldn't accept for a five or six Hong Kong dollar fare. So I decided to call the three guest houses, book into one and take a cab. Naturally, my new Chinese phone only worked in Sichuan and naturally the public phones wouldn't take a hundred dollar note. So naturally, I decided I could do with stretching my legs after such a long journey. Even though Elements hadn't existed the last time I was there, I felt confident that Kowloon was still north of Victoria Harbour and I remembered Nathan Road ran directly north to south. So, I could see water to my right. All I had to do was walk left until I found Nathan Road. Emerging from Elements, I found it completely surrounded by construction sites. But if there weren't looming cranes and skyscraper skeletons, how would you know you're in China? Temporary walkways crossed above gaping craters, tunnelled beneath scaffolding or wound between witches' hats in a circuitous route that had me addled for about half an hour. 
My logic was sound though, and once I found a way to walk east in a straight line, Nathan Road eventually confirmed its continuing existence. It was now a simple matter to walk south along Nathan Road to Simsha Sui, the suburb directly opposite Hong Kong, home of the Star Ferry, the high-class Peninsula Hotel, and the no-class Chungking and Mirador mansions. I popped into several hotels along the way, figuring I'd splash out for the first night and stop wasting valuable drinking time. However, everywhere I inquired was booked out. At one reception, I asked the manager if I could have a map, and she immediately handed one over, saying it was free. I thought that was really nice, until I opened it up outside on the street and found out it was a map of Macau. After about an hour's walk, I noticed a particular neon sign among the thousands of dazzling eruptions of vivid colour. It was a single giant foot. On a previous trip, I'd been freeloading on a girlfriend who taught at uni every day, leaving me alone to wander the streets. Heading back to our, well, her, hotel on Nathan Road, I'd spied that giant foot and as my giant feet were killing me, sought out the massage place in the building underneath it. Greeted at the door by a gnome-like woman, I'd mimed what I was after. She sat me down in a big comfy chair and removed my shoes, obviously delighted at their outrageous size. But when the socks came off and she saw my big toes, she squealed with pleasure. <laughs> Leaving me barefoot and bemused, she disappeared into another room and came back with two other masseuses. They too were very impressed and both took photos of her face down near my feet. She then left by the front door and brought back a crowd of neighbours who were similarly enthusiastic. But her big finish was to take one big toe in each of her hands and pretend to fillet one and masturbate the other. That got a big laugh. After about two hours, I reached the mansions and proceeded immediately to the guest houses recommended by Sunnies, where even though it was now 10pm at least, I had high hopes of finding a nice, cheap, private, single room. All three were full, as were the Garden Hostel, the Liu Liu Guest House and the Kung Fu Hostel. So were the First Class Guest House, the Sunflower Guest House, the Capital Guest House and the Motel Double Yield. Motel? It was eight floors up, where would you park? So were the Cosmic Guest House, the Mon Hing Guest House, the Dragon Hotel, the Well Yi Hotel, the Hong Kong Guest House, the Ajit Guest House, the Fujian Guest House, the Oriental Pearl Hostel, the Satisfy Guest House, the Mei Lam Guest House, the Deluxe Garden Guest House. Oh. Mm. Mm. Oh. The USA Hotel, the Kowloon New Hotel, the Vincent Guest House or any of the other dozen or more places I tried before starting to write their names down. One place did have the last bed in a 16-bed room, but I'm too old for all that dorm crap and my alleged snoring might have proven problematic. Another guy tried to sell me a bed in a cupboard next to the shared toilet. Actually, it was more of a shelf as it didn't have a door, only a vinyl curtain. He wanted 300 Hong Kong dollars for the night and I'd have laughed in his face, but I was too tired to bend down that far. I don't want to give the impression that I walked for miles and miles. Both mansions have around 16 floors and there are two to five places on each floor. 
After the first few rejects, I just took the lift to the top and walked downstairs, checking each floor along the way. The passenger lift in the Mirador only ran until 10pm, but I hitched a ride up with the Garbos in the freight elevator. It was a tight squeeze in there next to the full garbage bins, but the odour wasn't noticeably worse than on the stairwells or balconies. Sometime around midnight, I gave up on the mansions and started an expanding spiral search grid in the streets, looking for a room in increasingly expensive places. Several knockbacks later, I found a place with a lobby so small, I had to join the ancient crone of a manager behind the reception desk so the front door could swing closed. I also had to raise my voice to be heard over the sound of a couple getting to know each other very, very well, with the woman enthusiastically seeking the big O in room number one a few feet away. I shouldn't have bothered shouting as being heard didn't help. However, a game of charades established that I wanted a bed for the night and that I was alone. She thought it very strange, double and triple checking that I was alone. I looked under my jacket as if checking for a stowaway. She didn't get that. But tapped out 700 on her calculator. 700 Hong Kong dollars. I thought about continuing my quest, but it was past midnight. I'd already expected to have Saturday afternoon and night painting Hong Kong red, and I was still entirely sober. So I handed over around 100 Australian dollars, even though that's a hell of a lot to a poor school teacher from rural China. The crone then led me to a room down another hall out of earshot of the uh, screamer and opened the door. Inside a large windowless cavern, there was a large circular bed with lavender satin sheets. Mirrors on three walls nearly surrounded the bed and four other petal-shaped mirrors formed a flower on the ceiling above it. A widescreen TV took up most of the wall above the plump black leather couch but she mimed that it was either out of order or I hadn't paid enough to watch it. At this stage, I couldn't have cared less. There were lots of cushions, lots and lots of towels and tissues, and a single condom ready in an ashtray on the side table. So, not really a hotel room, as much as a shag shack. I'd already paid, so kicked the bislies off my aching feet, used the suspiciously spacious bathroom, and realised she hadn't given me a key. I returned to reception and listened to the same woman behind door number one sobbing her heart out. I don't know why, maybe she just found out there was only one condom. Eventually the crone reappeared and told me in mime that I didn't need a key, but I wanted a key. So she grudgingly handed one over, one that didn't fit my door. I insisted on the correct key, which started a ten-minute search in drawers and pockets and under the desk during which the noisy unseen woman made it clear that she'd cheered up. Really cheered up. And up. And up. Accommodation sort of sorted out at last, I wanted to look around Kowloon's legendary night spots. I mean, although weary, I was too keyed up after the journey and the room search and the sound effects to sleep in that airless, hopefully pubic hairless, room. The first bar I encountered was the Schnurrbart a German establishment which was surprisingly uncrowded and sold the marvellous Koenig Pilsner. They do everything right at the Schnurrbart, so the pouring assumes an almost ceremonial air, 
taking about seven or eight minutes with long delays for the head to settle. Normally I enjoy that, but I really wanted a beer. A big German customer burst out laughing at me and I realised I'd been staring at the settling brew like a dog stares at the biscuit on the end of his nose, waiting for the command to eat. I loved that Koenig, but didn't have that kind of time at that time of night. Although I did make time to return each day. So I kept going around the block to a place called The Piss Bar. I have known better names for pubs. But they sold Leffer Brune, which is a dark and delicious Belgian beer which I hadn't tasted in years. Nearby was the Whale Bar. I only had one drink there while watching very drunk people play electronic darts as I lost interest when one patron was struck by a dart and not even slightly electrocuted. Wandering around another corner, I happened upon an English-style bar with an English-style name. The Elephant Castle, the Horse and Heather, the Diana and Dodie. I thought I'd remember it and didn't write it down. However, their Guinness was really excellent, so there I stayed. Between 3 and 4 a.m., I heard my circular bed calling. It's no wonder I heard it because I'd pub crawled all the way around the block and was almost back there. Business in the uh, pork pad was booming. Several rooms now boasted loud fornicators, but room number one was quiet. Well, that poor girl needed her sleep, as did I. Not so easy with a live quadraphonic porno performance, an air conditioner that whistled my way off key, and satin sheets that slid everywhere once you turned the vibrating mattress on. Okay, that bit was my fault. In the next episode, just what you'd expect. A quiet Sunday in Hong Kong. No, no. If you expect that, then you haven't been paying attention. Because I'm Party Parslow, and this is Party in China. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.